0: If you're familiar with the book of Philippians, joy is one of the great themes of the book. I remember uh, teaching this book a few years ago with the middle schoolers, and usually, what I do when I introduce a book or as we go through a book is I'll have these review questions, and I'll I'll ask and I'll present the theme of the book and so forth, and. I remember one time I asked before class, hey, what's the theme of Philippians? And, and one of my uh, middle schoolers said, joy in jail, All right? Well, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, but more specifically, uh, joy in Christ is, is really at the heart of the book of Philippians because if, if you know some of the background of this book, Paul, he's imprisoned, and really he doesn't know what the next day is holding. He doesn't know if... He's going to be killed or if he's going to be released or spend another day in jail. He doesn't really know. And yet, what we find throughout this whole book is that his faith is unwavering and his joy is seated in Christ. The Lord is with him and really that's all he needs. In fact, he he says in Philippians that I, I know how to do without a lot of things and I know how to abound, but it's all the same to me because the Lord is with me. And so joy was one thing that really grounded Paul in his ministry, because if you know his history, it wasn't an easy one. Shipwrecks and beatings and being thrown out of town and threatened to be killed, being stoned and whipped. It wasn't an easy life for Paul, and yet there's this steady thread of joy that marks his life and ministry, and we see it so clearly here in the book of Philippians. So joy. And what Paul has been doing, it's really just kind of oozed out of this letter. And, you know, what an incredible encouragement for us that we also can have joy no matter what life brings us. But we find ourselves here in chapter 4, verse 4. He's just encouraged a few sisters in the Lord to walk in unity. Uh, And he's going to call all the believers to... Rejoice in the Lord, he says there in verse 4. He says, again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus. Here in verses 4 and 5, we have a clear uh, commandment that we should rejoice in the Lord always. He says, again, I will say, rejoice. Having this attitude and mindset of giving praise continually to the Lord, of having our focus on the good things of God and of our salvation, this really should be the the thermostat of our life, Troy says often that, that joy is really the thermostat. It, it sets the tone of our life. And you know happiness, it's not a bad thing, but that kind of ebbs and flows with the circumstances of life. But we should be those who rejoice. He's calling the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord of their salvation. This is an imperative. This is, was given as a command. It's something for them to set As a practice and a regular part of their life. Now, Paul's exhortation to them, it comes from a life that was lived in constant hardship and opposition, as we've just reviewed briefly. He wasn't writing the Philippians from an ivory tower where everything is going great. (laughs) He's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to live another day. So this exhortation comes from Paul who has lived this life and has walked this road of hardship and yet remains unchanged in his joy, unchanged in that confidence in that hope, that deep contentment that he has in his salvation. See, he had joy when he was free and unoppressed and he had joy when he was sitting in this cell Uh, chained or or next to a, a soldier, uncertain if he would live another day. See, we can glean from Paul's life the importance of rejoicing in the Lord always. It grounds us. And Jesus is the reason for our joy. Our circumstances, they come and go. At times they're great. And at times they're really tough. But the thing that is constant always is the Lord. The thing that is constant always is the truth of our salvation in Him. That never changes. In the good days and in the bad days, our salvation is secure. Because Jesus went to the cross, three days later He rose, and we have eternal life in Him. That's not changing. That's the truth of the gospel. It's true in the greatest and in the worst of days. Our salvation isn't touched by circumstance. And our God is with us always. He's with us always. You know, this call to rejoice in the Lord, it's not only for those who find themselves hard-pressed by life. It certainly is that. This is a place from which Paul is writing. But I would encourage, for those of you, things are going really well. You too are to rejoice in the Lord, right? The command is when? Well, when things are going really tough? No, especially then. But rejoice always. Rejoice always in the Lord and in your salvation. See, those who would seek fulfillment in the things of this world are building for themselves on a foundation that can quickly be eroded by the circumstances of life. See, when, when our foundation is set upon circumstance and not upon the Lord, not upon his character and his nature and our connection with him, man, when circumstance comes and when those winds beat upon the foundation and the waves come, it's quickly eroded. But the thing that won't change is the Lord. The thing that won't change is our eternal destiny with him. The eternal life that we have, one day the evil day will come, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. That foundation will erode away quickly when circumstance deteriorates, but our rejoicing and our source of joy is in Jesus, not in the happenings or in the achievements of life. It's in Jesus, our Savior. Paul says in verse 5, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He says, Rejoice always. Let your gentleness be known to all men. This word for gentleness, um, in fact, many of your translations might have a different word. Uh, It's not really found anywhere else in the New Testament. It's really difficult to translate. These types of words that we only see one time. And no one English word really captures the meaning of it in the original language. Some of the, the main translations we have are here in the New King James, gentleness. Uh, some of you might have forbearance or uh, reasonableness or mildness. It can also mean um, yieldedness or charitableness, and there's several others, but you really kind of, with all of these definitions, get a flavor of what this word means. Uh, I was reading one commentator, and he, he translated it big-heartedness, and um, this idea of the gentleness, the big-heartedness, that expectation and that fullness of joy that comes, that yieldedness to the Lord no matter what comes in our life. That should be on display for all of man to see. He says, let your gentleness, let your forbearance, yieldedness, let this be on display. Be known to all men. How much for our brothers and sisters that they might glean from our testimony as we walk well with the Lord, but also for those who are on the outside. See, what a, what a testimony it is of our life when we walk well, always. When we walk well, when things are going great. When we walk well, when things aren't going so good for us. And what is one of the motivations for this? To let our gentleness, to let our witness be seen by those around. The Lord is at hand. He's coming back soon. He's going to be back. The, the time is limited. There will be one day where we'll be called up to meet the Lord in the air. And the wrath of God will be poured out. There will come a day when he comes back. And so we should be those faithful witnesses. We should a- allow that truth to guide our lives. I think when we covered First Thessalonians the last time I had the privilege to teach, there's that passage in 1 John that says the, the hope that we're going to see Jesus face to face, it really should have a purifying effect in our life And I think in this area of joy, it should cause us to consider the manner with which we walk in life with regard to joy. We should be walking in the joy of our salvation, the joy of the Lord, allowing our witness before others to strengthen and encourage them and serve as a witness to unbelievers that there is something different about the Lord, that there is real and true salvation and strength that comes with a relationship with Jesus. So verses four and five, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Paul continues, verses six and seven, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, we have the imperative there in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. We have that twice, and here in verse 6 and 7, we have another two imperatives, right? Don't be anxious, and let your requests be made known to God. Paul's getting at here that we should be anxious about nothing and we should pray about everything. See, at times we find ourselves battling against anxious thoughts. Yes, joy should mark our lives, and it does mark our lives as believers, and yet we are frail. (laughs) Our minds are a battleground for these types of things. And the tendency for us is, to allow undue care to consume our minds. And at times it can control us, it can consume us. And yet, Paul says that it shouldn't be that way. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, take care and tend to things in our life, but Paul is saying, don't be consumed with anxious thoughts and worry about your life, but pray about everything. Often, if we're not careful... To take heed to this in our mind, what happens is that circumstances out of our control, as one author says, often will be what controls us. <laughs> There's a statistic that says, you know, we worry about a lot of things, 95 I think it is, percent of which never comes to pass, right? We, we tend to overthink, and I, I grew up like a worrier, right? My mom... She had a tendency, and I, I just I saw that in her. And that's something that, uh, for whatever reason, that's my tendency. I tend to worry. I tend to be anxious about things, always thinking about this that could go wrong, and this that could go wrong, and this circumstance that probably never would happen, but I would be the one it would happen to. And those types of thoughts tend to come into my mind. And if I'm not careful, if we're not careful about those types of things... Those can often control us. One of the seasons of my life in which this took place, it was actually at the beginning of last year. A lot of things were going on, and uh, the health of my mom, and even some things that were going on in my own body of health, and these types of fearful thoughts would come into my mind, and I would stew on these things, and, and man, I would find myself in, in an anxious pattern of thought, to the point where it affected my body physically. Where I would have these episodes of the chest tightening and feeling faint and these types of things. And you know, the Lord hasn't designed us to be like that. The Lord hasn't designed us to walk in fear. The Lord has made a way for us to walk in faith and in peace. And we'll get to that in a moment. But often, If we aren't careful to take heed to our mind, these types of things will come in and invade and control our minds and in very real ways sometimes affect our our physical life even. So what's the answer? What's the answer to these anxious thoughts that come? Maybe you find yourself in a season where these thoughts keep coming and you keep entertaining them and feeding them. And they control your life and your thoughts. Or maybe you can think back on a time where you allowed that to take place. What's the answer? Paul says, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Paul says to pray about everything and give thanks to God. This should be the the attitude or the, the tone of our Prayer and our supplication before the Lord. Thanksgiving. Why? We pray and we give thanks because he's with you. He's with me. We give thanks because he's our strength. We give thanks and we pray because he gives us wisdom to navigate the circumstances that we don't know what we're doing with. We give thanks because you can have joy in the night. We give thanks because our eternity is secure with him. You know, some might ask the question, and isn't that kind of an interesting phrase that Paul uses? Let your requests be made known to God. Let them be made known. Now, isn't the Lord uh, sovereign over all things? Doesn't he have all knowledge? And some might ask, why would I bring these things to the Lord? He already knows what I have. I, I don't need to bother him with the things that are going on in my life. And yet, a father who is concerned with the life of his children wants to know and wants to hear from the mouth of his child the things that concern your heart. He wants to hear from you. He knows it. But it's an act of humility on our part to come before God and say, Lord, you see what's going on in my life. Would you give me that strength? Would you strengthen me? Show me the way to go? Would you bring that peace and yes, he does know what we have need of even before we come and ask him. And yet he says, come and ask. My arms are wide open. And so often we do without the strength of God and the peace of God because we are unwilling to come and ask. Because maybe we'll, we'll dig down deep into our hearts and find the strength and pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and try and make it through the next day. Or we think that it's just going to go away. We can handle it on our own, and yet we are so insufficient for this battle. The Lord wants to know and he wants to give us what we need in order to take the next step. Let your requests be made known to God. Take time in, in your day day to come before the throne of grace in your time of need. It says there in Hebrews 4.16, we can approach the throne of grace boldly because of the work of Jesus. His blood allows us to come into the presence of God. We have the righteousness of God and we have the inheritance of Christ. We have the privilege to come in before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who can do something about our circumstances and find strength for what we need, to find hope and joy and peace. So I encourage you, take time in your day-to-day to to come before the throne of grace and find help from God in your time of need. In your quiet times, lean into the Word of God. Press into Him. Sit there and wait for the Lord. Don't rush in and rush out. Take some time to pause. And this is something that Paul's going to go on and encourage us to do. But take some time to just sit there in the presence of God. You know, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing throughout your day as those thoughts come. As you have a moment, as you take a break from work or as you're driving to work or coming home or you have a moment just even to exhale and say, thank you, Lord, or give me strength, Lord. Take time throughout your day in those moments to ask the Lord if anxious thoughts and fear might Well up within your heart. And you know what? A part of our life in prayer includes corporate prayer. I can't tell you how blessed I am because of the prayer meetings that we hold here in this church. (laughs) I, I can look back over the years of going to those prayer meetings and seeing time and again where the Lord met me. He gave me strength here for this task. He gave me encouragement here when I was discouraged. He gave me peace when I was consumed with anxiety here. And those stones of remembrance and those moments of prayer coming together with my brothers and sisters and seeking the face of God, what an encouragement and strength to my life they have been. And, you know, we we pray on Sunday nights out in the foyer as a church together, we seek the face of God, we worship, His Spirit ministers, and it is a special time. It is a special time. And many of you, I know I see faces, I recognize faces that I see uh, time and again on, on Sunday nights, and I just encourage you, if if you haven't come to those, uh, maybe if you're intrigued or your interest is piqued, or, you know, maybe you have come at one point in time, but corporate prayer, for whatever reason, has just fallen off the radar for you, man, I encourage you to come out to those prayer meetings and meet the Lord in His presence as we gather. It's a sweet time. But, you know, that's not not the only time we have corporate prayer. The men meet on Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. They pray and seek the face of God together. Home fellowships gather in homes throughout the week and have times of prayer and share the needs that you have. And ministry teams gather throughout the week and have opportunity to pray. I just encourage you, wherever you find yourself and wherever there are opportunities are for corporate worship, take advantage of those moments. Seek the face of God together with your brothers and sisters. And let your requests be made known to God that he might give you strength and encouragement in your need. Now, We are to pray about everything and not be anxious about anything, right? He says, with thanksgiving, our hearts should be full of gratitude, not necessarily because of what we endure, but because the Lord is faithful. He says, let your requests be made known to God, and what is the result? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, the result of praying with thanksgiving and not allowing anxious thoughts to take root is that... The peace of God will guard our hearts. I like this term guard because it's a military term and it really communicates that idea that this peace of God stands watch over our hearts and our minds. See, when we come to the Lord in prayer and his peace fills us and strengthens us, the peace of God surpassing all understanding, it protects our hearts and minds against those thoughts that might come in to erode that truth. In the strength of the Lord in our hearts and minds. See, it's a military term. One familiar to Paul and to the Philippians. The peace of God stands watch over the door to our minds. And it guards us from rebel thoughts that might seek to invade. You know, we might see those thoughts. We might hear them as they pass in front of the gate, right? As it it were in the picture of the mind. And yet, as we seek the face of God, he makes us to dwell in safety. I'm going to read to you a quote from a commentator. It's a little bit long. It's not super long, but bear with me. I really love the picture that he presents here of this idea of the peace of God standing watch over our minds. The Philippians were used to the sight of Roman sentinels standing guard, thus also Only far more so God's peace will mount guard at the door of the heart and thought. It will prevent carking care from corroding the heart, which is the mainspring of life. The root of thinking, willing, and feeling. It will also prevent unworthy reasonings from entering thought life. Thus, if anyone should tell the believer that God does not exist and that everlasting life is a mere dream... He would get nowhere, for at that very moment, the child of God would be experiencing within himself the realities which the infidel is trying to reason out of existence. The man of trust and prayer has entered that impregnable citadel from which no one can dislodge him. And the name of that fortress is Christ Jesus. Right? It will guard our hearts and minds, this peace of God, through Christ Jesus. Our fortress is Jesus, his very presence in our lives. Right? That, that song of old, that he is our, our bulwark never failing, right? That bulwark being a wall that, that can't be taken down. I love what Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him, I will trust. He's our fortress. Brothers and sisters, we can run to him and be safe. We find peace in Jesus and in Jesus alone. It, it, there's a shortage of peace in our world today, isn't there? People are consumed about a lot of things and by a lot of things. There's no peace that lasts outside of Jesus. Jesus. And yet he says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. See, this isn't a worldly peace that's insufficient. This is the peace of God. This is peace resident in the character and nature of our God that when we are running into his presence and allowing his word and his truth to to dwell in our hearts, when we're bringing our requests before the Lord, this peace that passes all understanding, is what guards our hearts and minds. When the world says you shouldn't have peace, your heart is calm and trusting God. When the world would look at you and say, I don't know how you're doing this, and yet you say, the Lord's with me. It's that peace that guards our hearts and minds and gives us strength to face the day. This peace transcends human comprehension, yet is a peace that we can know and we can experience in the presence of Jesus. Man, what an incredible peace that we can have in the Lord. So let me ask you, what are you anxious about? What are those things that, whether it's consuming your mind right now or not, you deal with? Maybe finances or whether or not you're going to have enough. Maybe it could be health or a doctor's report or maybe a fear of the unknown. The health of a loved one or a child that you have. I know for many it's the state of the world and the country. You know, We don't know what the next day is going to hold. Has fear crept in because you've stumbled recently and you're wondering if God still loves you and the enemy is attacking that assurance of salvation and that's causing fear in your life? Or are you fearful for the world your children are going to grow up in? A circumstance outside of your control. Maybe you're anxious about a step of faith that God has called you to, and you don't know what the outcome is going to be, and fear can keep you from taking that next step. I don't know what it is for you, but let your request be made known to God, and don't be anxious about anything. And let your request be made known to God. Pray with thanksgiving, knowing that the Lord is with you, and that He's going to give you everything you have need of, And he's going to show you the next step to take. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He is with you always to the end of the age. His peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The Lord doesn't want to hear what I have to say. No. He says, in fact, cast your cares upon me. Right? The verse says, cast your cares upon the Lord. But I care for you. The Lord cares for you. Cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. See, when our minds are upon Jesus and we come to Him, He keeps us in perfect peace. He guides our way and He settles our heart to remain immovable. Isn't that what we see in the life and the character of Paul? The example that we have before us? He wasn't moved. He didn't know what the next day held. He was in a circumstance far worse than many of us have ever experienced, and yet he says, I have joy in the Lord that can't be explained. And let me tell you, when you let your request be made known to God, oh, his peace, which surpasses understanding, it guards your heart. So, pray always. Don't be anxious about anything, and sometimes this is harder than it looks. (laughs) Why? Because sometimes these thoughts come. It's not just a one and done type of thing, right? We pray and we're like, oh, Lord, give me strength for this. Lord, I need your peace. And there's a moment and and then it's like our mind just goes right back to this, right? And that thought comes back in. And sometimes we have to continually, moment after moment sometimes, bring that thought before the Lord. It's not always just, and sometimes the Lord ushers in that peace and it's never an issue again. But I find sometimes we have to commit ourselves in moments to keep bringing that thing before the Lord. And over time, he will bring us that peace that surpasses understanding. So, we don't be anxious about anything. We pray about everything. And Paul's going to give us some real practical instruction on What other things we can do? Another thing that we can do in particular to guard our hearts. In verses 8 and 9, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So another part of this is that Paul says, control your thought life. Right? He says meditate on these things. What things? Well, the things that are true and noble and just and pure, lovely, of good report. Those things that have virtue and those things that are praiseworthy. These are the things that we should commit our mind to. Not the things that we can't control. uh, Not the things that bring us anxious thoughts. But we are to commit our minds and focus our minds on those things that we know to be true. Those things that we know to be praiseworthy of the Lord. Those things that we know are pure and just. Sometimes I think we have a tendency to believe that we're unable to control our minds. And that perpetual worry will always dominate. But Paul gives clear instruction to be in control of what you center your mind upon. See, we have the ability through the Spirit of God resident within us to control what we think about. To control our minds and the focus of it. Think on those things, he says, that are true. And I'm just going to highlight a couple of these. Think on those things, he says, first of all, that are true. That are true. Those principles and promises of Scripture that don't change, that have been revealed to us through the Word of God, Those things that we know and believe through through the revelation of God, this word that is profitable for us in all sorts of circumstances. The truths of God that stand the test of time. I like what Paul says elsewhere in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly in all wisdom. See, what we find is that when we saturate our mind with the word of God, We turn to it. We turn to the Lord. We uh, allow these truths to guide us. And I encourage you, continue. And if you're doing this well, I, I encourage you, continue all the more to infuse your life with the Word of God. Allow it to just soak into your mind in your quiet times, in the Bible studies that you have. As you're listening to godly worship music that are declaring the truths of God... As you listen to the Bible being taught, allow the truth of God to settle down into the deepest parts of your heart. Commit Scripture to memory. And I love Psalm 100, verse 5, the truth of God. This is a psalm that that we were teaching uh, Clover, and it's really fun just to hear her say it, and it's so sweet. Um, But, right, the truth of God, it... It endures to all generations the, the truth that was true for Adam and Eve, the truth that was true for Moses and Abraham, the, the, the truth that was true for the prophets and for the disciples and for Paul and for the early church all the way down to you and me here in Lynchburg, Virginia. The truth of God stands the test of time through all generations. It is a rock that we can lean on. And when we do, when we think on those things that are true, what we find is that those threatening thoughts, those anxious thoughts, they lose their power over our mind when we look to and hold on to those things that are true. Let the word of Christ dwell in your heart. Think on those things that are true. Think on those things he says that are pure. Those thoughts that are free of worldly ideals and pleasures and that are pleasing unto the Lord. I really want us to focus on this word meditate. This word meditate. You know, world religions have really hijacked this word. Meditation is a Christian thing. It's a Christian principle. And Eastern religions will tend to define and as their practice, have meditation be a process whereby one empties their mind. You know, just uh, an offload of, of things on the mind to bring clarity and so forth. And yet, Christian meditation is a conscious effort to focus your mind specifically upon the things of God and His truth. Paul says meditate on these things. It's a conscious effort to focus your mind What are you filling your mind with? There there are so many inlets of information and knowledge and things that we allow into our life. And I, I would just ask you, what are you filling your mind with? Because if there's no input, if there's no conscious effort to fill in with the Word of God and His truth and those things that are honorable and lovely and praiseworthy... If we aren't taking in those things, then the cares of the world and the fears of this world will overtake. Those weeds will just grow and they will have a heyday. See, listen, news articles and page upon page of the events of the world and junk found in the things of the world and the things that they embrace and and they cherish. If we're filling our minds with these things and not with the things of the Lord, it's no wonder that our life will be difficult in the thought, uh, the realm of thought. I encourage you, spend time bolstering your faith by committing your mind to meditate upon the truth of God, those things that he calls us to. Hmm. The enemy wants you paralyzed by fear and anxiety. He wants you to think that there's no other way. And yet, you have control over your mind by the Spirit. And Now listen, we can't always control what comes into our minds. Sometimes there are fleshly thoughts that that rise up. The enemy might plant a thought in our mind. And yet, my encouragement to you is to identify those thoughts. Right? 2 Corinthians 10.5 Bring every thought into captivity, into Christ Jesus. Identify those thoughts that are not of the Lord, that are not honoring to him those which lead to fear. Allow the the Lord to help you pinpoint those thoughts and then get them out. Think upon the things that are true. Think upon those things that you know of the Lord. Allow your mind, as it says in Romans chapter 12, to be transformed and to be renewed by the Lord. What I love about Paul is that he's saying these things because he's, yes, called by God to do that, and this is scripture and it's instruction for us, but he did these things. You know, he he wasn't saying these things because, yeah, I really think this would be a good thing for you to do, but I'm not taking care of my life to do these things. He's speaking from experience. He's saying these are the things that will get you through and will bring you strength. These are the things that God wants us to do. So, Paul in verse 9 says, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. He says, I've set a pattern for you. Follow them. And maybe there's an individual in your life that you know walks really well with regard to this. And they love the Lord and they're seeking after him. Set your pattern after them. Set your pattern after Paul. And what I love is this. So in verse 7, the peace of God will guard our hearts. And here again in verse 9, Paul brings again the the idea of peace. But he says, the God of peace will be with you. See, the result of meditating on the truth. And of patterning our lives after Paul in this way. Of not being anxious about things. Of rejoicing always. Always is that the god of peace will be with us. See, the peace of God will reign in our hearts as we submit ourselves unto God because the god of peace and his presence will be with us. How the worship team come forward here and we'll close in a moment, but I want to allow us just to have a moment here with the Lord and you know, maybe your mindset has been anything but joy in Jesus. Your circumstances have been far from ideal, and your mind has been consumed by fear or maybe anger or anxiety. Joy hasn't marked your life, but I encourage you here in these moments, take joy in your Savior and in the salvation that He has purchased for you. And maybe you're not sure where to start. <laughs> you're like, I have so just messed up in this area. I just come to the Lord. He's got open arms. He wants you to come and experience his peace beyond measure. He wants you to be strengthened in the inner man with the truth of God. And maybe you're living this life and you have no peace whatsoever because you haven't placed your faith in Jesus you're not gonna find peace anywhere else. You can scratch at it and you can grasp for it, but peace is found only in Jesus Christ. And that peace is made possible, that peace that we can have experientially as we live this life is made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross to, to make us at peace with God. And how is one at peace with God? By believing that Jesus died for you on the cross. And that he made his righteousness available to you so that if you believe on him and believe that he also rose from the grave. That you can have that hope and that in that trust, in that belief, he'll give you his righteousness and make you at peace with God. What do you need to do to receive that forgiveness and to receive that righteousness? Just confess your sin before the Lord and ask him to forgive you and say something as simple as, Lord, I believe. There's no set words that you need to say. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, He will save you, and you can experience the peace of God today. Take a moment there in your seat. If you're a believer and you just need the peace of God, cast your cares upon the Lord. Let your requests be made known to God. If you need to walk in joy, Ask the Lord to rekindle that joy of salvation in your heart that you could rejoice always in the Lord. And maybe you have been filling your mind and allowing the things of the world to consume your thought. And you need to be filling your mind with the things of God. Those things that are true and pure and praiseworthy and honorable and just. Then ask the Lord to give you strength to do that. Let's take a moment before the Lord.